Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. My palms are sweating. You know, people often, you know, we have young people from the church get up and share and preach, and I'm sitting in the front row, and they say, it just makes me so nervous getting up in front of you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm almost 68 years old. And uh, in July, I've been pastoring here 35 years. So, you know, that tells you I've been around a little bit. Amen? Yeah. But having Pastor Harold over there, my palms are sweating. <laughs> you know, he's the He's the first Pentecostal preacher I ever heard preach. And uh, when we lived here the first time around, when he was pastoring Open Bible, uh, we used to go over there all the time and get uh, nourishment. And uh, so, like I said, my, my palms are sweating here a little bit. And, uh, and uh, he's got to be a proud man. You know, he's got, uh, there's four generations here this morning, and so that's, uh, that's an awesome thing. Praise the Lord. All serving God. Hallelujah. You, you, you guys did okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, hallelujah. God's good, isn't he? Yes. We're going to be having communion today a little bit later on. And one of the things that I often talk about when we're, we're having communion, how the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins, from all unrighteousness, and that it's, that it's not just the, the sin that he cleanses us from, but he, he cleanses us from the defilement of sin. And uh, one of the defilements that I often talk about is how uh, he's, he's come to set us free from shame, that our past is taken care of through the blood of Jesus. And so what I want to talk with you today about is I want to talk about overcoming shame because I think oftentimes, even though we've served God many years, oftentimes we're still struggling with, with the guilt, with the shame of, of our past. And, and what I want us to know is that through Jesus Christ and through his shed blood and what he accomplished for each and every one of us, it isn't just simply that our, that our sins are forgiven but the, the defilement, the, the shame, the guilt, that Jesus took care of that as well, that that was, you were washed clean of that uh, through the blood of Jesus. And the reason that I believe that this is so important that because I believe oftentimes people in their Christian walk, they're, they're in a sense, they're paralyzed uh, because of the shame that they feel, that they experience in their life because of something that happened years and years back. You know, we, we, we see it all the time, you know, where, um, you know, God's forgiven us. But so often in the world, they haven't forgiven us. And so they, they keep bringing it up again and again. And, and like I shared the other night, you know, those, those good old days, they weren't that good. And a lot of times that's what we struggle with. We struggle with those memories. We struggle with 
uh, things that happened in the past, and we have a difficult time letting go of it. And, and it's not God that's continually bringing it up. You know, uh, and, and we oftentimes want to blame it on the devil, but it isn't even, even him. It's, it's ourselves, because we have this, this inner guilt, this inner shame that we need to lay it at the cross and, and recognize that the blood of Jesus has taken care of it. The answer to the dilemma is Jesus. Just like everything else, we, you know, the songs that we sing and we, we re, we're repetitive about it when we, we sing out the name of Jesus. There's, there's a reason for that. Because that has to get down deep on the inside of us. What Jesus has truly done for us and that it's, that it's all about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about, you know, my shortcomings, my failings. It's about Jesus and about what he accomplished for each and every one of us. And so, Father, as we come together here today, we thank you for the precious Holy Spirit who is the teacher. And we, we want him to have his way today. And so we open our hearts and our, our minds to hear and receive what the Spirit would have to say to each one of us today. And Father, I pray for each individual under the sound of my voice that, that after hearing today, that they would be free and begin to walk in that freedom that is theirs through the precious blood of Jesus. That they're not be bound and paralyzed by, built by guilt and shame any longer but they'll walk free because they're free in you. And so, Father, bless this time. We pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen? amen. And amen. And so Jesus came, the Son of God came to deliver us from shame. You know, we talk about how Jesus took those stripes and how he is smitten and, and so on and so forth. But that was, that was for us. You know, that he took the stripes for a healing, but he was, he was spit upon. He was, he was hung on that cross naked for everybody to see. They spit upon him. They slapped him. And the shame that he endured was for you and I. You know, we, we, we accept the fact, most of us do, that by the stripes of Jesus we've been healed, that he took the stripes upon himself to be our substitute so that we wouldn't have to suffer with sickness, with disease any longer. We recognize in Scripture that it says that Jesus became poor, that we might become rich, that, that he took poverty upon himself so that we would no longer have to live in poverty. But you know what? They, they spit upon him. He was, he was exposed to the world. He, he was exposed to shame. Why? For you and me. And so in the same way that he took our sickness and disease, he took the shame so that we'd no longer have to suffer with guilt and shame. And so when that thought comes up in your mind, in the same way that we deal with sickness and disease, we, we declare that by the stripes of Jesus I've been healed, that you are my substitute, you took my place. In the same way when, when guilt and shame tries to rise up in our lives because of something of our past, we need to recognize and acknowledge that Jesus took my place. He was, he was my substitute. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them over to Isaiah 50. I'm going to look at verses 
and 7. And it says, I gave, and, and, and notice the terminology here. You know, the Bible says that nobody took Jesus' life, that he laid it down. You know, he told those accusers, he said, you know, if the Father didn't allow this, it wouldn't happen because he could send a myriad of angels and, and, and deliver me right now. And so nobody took Jesus' life. You've got to understand this. Jesus laid down his life for you. Nobody made him do it. He chose to do it for you so that your sins might be forgiven. But not just for your, your sins, the, the whole package, everything that he endured on that cross and the suffering that he endured, it was, it was for you. And nobody could make him do it. He chose to do it. He chose to be obedient to the Father. He chose to be born as a man. He chose to live the life that he lived. He chose to be allowed to be arrested and, and, and beaten and, and stripped and hung upon that cross. He chose that for you and I so that we might have the abundant life available to each and every one of us. And it says, he gave, I gave my back to those who struck me. He did it. He could have said, Father, and that would have been the end of it. But he didn't. He endured it for you and I. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. He didn't try to hide from it. He, he allowed it to come upon him. For the Lord God will help me. In other words, I could cry out to him and he'll help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint and I know that I will not be ashamed. And so he endured the shame for you and I. You know what? We have to make this determination. I will not be ashamed. My past is my past. What I did Yes, it was wrong. I asked for forgiveness. I received my forgiveness. I have been forgiving, forgiven. And I will not walk, I will not live in the shame of that any longer because Jesus was my substitute. Jesus took my place. See, we have to understand something. Jesus is the answer for everything. And so we no longer have to live there. We no longer have to endure that shame. He submitted himself to shame to spare us from it. Think about that. Jesus submitted himself to shame so that you and I, so that we might be free from it. It was nailed with him on the cross. Remember, after Jesus had been on that cross for some time, and, and uh, you know, the Bible talks about how in the ninth hour, well, let's look at it. It's in Matthew, the 27th chapter. The 46th verse. 
And it says, in about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, lemma, sabbathii, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus suffered the shame of rejection for you and I. You know, I, I, was, I was thinking about this, we were preaching on some of it Wednesday night, but I, I was thinking about this. You know, eternity isn't just never-ending future. Eternity is never-ending past as well. And Jesus lived in all of eternity, and think about this, in all of eternity, Jesus had never not sensed the presence of the Father. Never had he not sensed the Father. You, we, have, we experience it periodically, when, you know, even though he's not left us. We get into a situation and, you know, it's God, where are you? <laughs> you know, and, and, but he's there, but we just don't sense his presence. Jesus had never not been in the presence of, of his father, and here he is up on the cross, and he experiences the ultimate sense of rejection because he doesn't sense the presence of his father. And he cries out and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And maybe in your life you've felt forsaken. You know, maybe by family, maybe by others, maybe by friends, you felt forsaken. Let me tell you something. Jesus, he paid the price for that as well. And, and so in those moments when you feel like rejection is coming to you, the shame of rejection, you need to acknowledge, but I'm not rejected because Jesus has accepted me. I am accepted in the Beloved. And we're, when we're accepted in the beloved, what more could we want? What more could we ask for? And so maybe man is going to reject us, but Jesus paid the price for that. We can trust in him and we can look to him and we can know that he is never going to fail us. He's never going to lay us, lay, let us down. He, he carried our griefs and he carried our sorrows. He did it for you and I. And so he was our substitute. He took our place. And so, why do we carry that junk? Why don't we lay it over on him? You know, he's, he's the burden bearer. Well, you know, Pastor, I guess, it's just, I guess it's just the burden that I've got to bear. Hallelujah. Well, get rid of it. Lay it on Jesus. He's, he's the burden bearer. He's, he's equipped to be able to handle it. Guess what? We're not equipped to be able to handle those things. But Jesus is. He took our place. And he wants to carry it. That comes from Isaiah 53. By the way, in Isaiah 53, in the fourth verse, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet he was stricken 
or yet he was esteemed, stricken, smitten from God, and afflicted. He took it all upon himself so that you and I could be free. You know, sometimes with religion, we've got this idea that, you know, when we, we, we carry these huge sufferings by ourselves, you know, then we're, we're something special. I'll tell you what's special. What's special is when we have to endure something, but we turn the pain and the sorrow over it and we just lay it over on Jesus. And we say, he's the one that can handle it. And the thing about it is, when we do that, all at once, in every circumstance in our life, there begins to be hope. Because it's not dependent upon me, it's dependent upon Jesus. I was watching uh, Joel Osteen this morning, and he's sharing testimony about this young girl, I, I don't remember the age, but at a very young age, she, she had this infirmity that came upon her, and she, she lost consciousness. She was, for three years, you know, she wasn't able to communicate with anybody. She was, they said she'd be a vegetable for the rest of her life. And so here she is in the bed, and, and every day her, her mother and family would come into the room, and they would speak over her. They would speak to her, like she was alive, like, like she, well, she was alive, but like she was alert and knew what was going on. And I guess actually that went on for two years. And then in the, in the third year, she was able to open her eyes. It was the first time that she had opened her eyes and they continued to spoke, speak to her. And, and eventually she was able to, to blink her eye to say, one time to say yes and, and blink them twice to say no. But still she was, she was paralyzed and the family continued to believe and continued to believe that God was going to touch her. And, and her mind was alert. She could hear everything that they were saying in the room. And she never gave up hope. And, and so eventually she began to, to move and it showed her uh, in, in some of the um, Paralympics or whatever they call them, you know what I'm talking about? You know, and uh, she was winning, so, but she still didn't have function of her legs. But she, she didn't quit there. She, she still believed God and she believed that, that through his strength and his help, she was going to be able to walk again. And so then they, they had her stand up in the, the auditorium and here she is, you know, in... In, not in a cot, not in a wheelchair, but she was up and she was walking around because God had brought healing in her life because she didn't give up. Here she is, she's unconscious and she knew everything that was going on around her, but she didn't quit. And you know when we don't quit? We don't quit when we know that the answer isn't dependent upon me. The answer is Jesus. And everything that he has for me is yes and amen. Everything that he has for me is for good. Let me tell you something. God is a good God. Amen. Doesn't matter what the world tries to tell us. Doesn't matter what other people try to tell us. What, tell, what the Bible tells us is that God is good. And as a good God, he has nothing but good for you. Good for you. Amen. 
And so don't ever quit. Don't ever give up. Don't ever say, well, I guess this is my lot in life. Well, guess what? The moment that you speak that out of your mouth and you begin to believe it, that's what you got. That's your lot. I don't know about you. I want a lot in my life. And it doesn't have to settle for some lot in life. I want a lot in life. Amen! Because that's what Jesus has got for each and every one of us. Surely he bore our griefs, he carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he did it all for you and I so that we don't have to bear those things that we're not equipped to bear. And so Jesus suffered for, your sin, for, for our sins. But he also suffered for the shame so that we might be able to be free from that shame. In 1 Peter, the third chapter, in the 18th verse. For Christ also suffered once for sin. Actually, I, I read that wrong. He suffered once for sins. For your sins and for my sins. Jesus suffered once for all sins. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Why did he do it? So that he could bring us to God. It's also that we can have a relationship with God. You know what? It's, it's very difficult to have any kind of an intimate relationship with anybody that you feel inferior to. Now, don't misunderstand me. We're all inferior to God. Can I hear an amen? amen? But you know what? We don't have to have this sense of inferiority. In Hebrews, it says that we're to approach the throne of grace to receive help in our time of need. And you know what? If you're filled with guilt and shame, you can't do that. Do you know why? Because you don't feel worthy to approach him. But when we recognize what Jesus Christ has done for us, that he suffered pain and shame, that he carried it all for you and I, so that we might once again come into the presence of God and experience his love, that he might bring us to God, that we might come into his presence all at once. We, we can have a boldness. We can have a confidence. We can, we can ask him with confidence, assured that he's going to answer that promise because all of his promises, answered all of his promises are yes and amen. We can have this confidence that, that what we've asked him for, we're going to receive, not because of my goodness, not because of something that I've done, but because of what Jesus did for me. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The just, he was the just, the just for the unjust, we were the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh and made alive by the Spirit, so that we might be brought to him, that we might have fellowship with him. 
You know, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that we have been made, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of what Jesus has done for me. What does that mean? That means that I am in right standing with Christ Jesus. That means that I can come into my presence, into his presence, that it isn't based upon my, my past behavior. It's based on what Jesus has done for me. And because of what Jesus has done for me, I'm in right standing with God. And so I can come into his presence and he is not going to turn me away. You know, the Bible talks about Jesus as being the rock of stumbling. You know where most religions, the problem that they have is Jesus. You know, he's a good man. He's a prophet. He's a teacher. But Jesus is the rock of stumbling, and they stumble because they can't, and they're unwilling to recognize him as God, as Savior. They're unwilling to recognize and see that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that there's no other way to the Father but through Jesus. You know, man wants to believe that there's many ways. There's a, there's a whole assortment of options out there. You know, and so what we need to do is just pick one of them, and we'll be okay. But that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us there is but one way, and that way is Jesus. And so Jesus is that, that stumbling block for so many because they don't want to accept that. You know what the biggest problem that we have as Christians is that we want to be self-sufficient. We want to think that it's me, that I'm worthy. Well, the problem is, is we're never going to be worthy in and of ourselves because that requires perfection. And none of us are perfect. I know that shocks you that I would, that's not true, but, but I'm really not. Just ask Pastor Becky, she'll fill you in. No, please don't. But there's one that's perfect, and his name is Jesus. And like I often tell the guys at prison, you know, there's, there's only one that's perfect. His name is Jesus, and this may be a revelation to you, and you're not him. <laughs> but he is. He's perfect, and we can trust him. Look what it says in Romans, the ninth chapter. Romans, the ninth chapter, and the 20, or excuse me, the 33rd verse. It says, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense. Whew. I don't know if you're ready for this next line. And whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Let me tell you something. Any shame of any kind that you've experienced in your life, it was not Jesus laying that shame on you. See, the thing about God, the Holy Spirit, what he does is he always shows us the way out. He doesn't, by and large, he doesn't have to show us the problem. We all know what our problem is. <laughs> 
Me, that's my problem. You may think I'm your problem, but you're your problem. You know, if I just didn't have to deal with me, everything would be hunky-dory. But guess what? Every morning I gotta get up and face me. It's like the person that wants to run from their problem. The problem with running from your problem is every time you get where you think you're going to get away from your problem, you're still there. <laughs> and you're the problem. And so when we deal with ourselves, all at once, the problems begin to change. But notice what it says here. But whoever believes on him, on Jesus, will not be put to shame. If we, if we put our eyes on him, if we trust in him, if we recognize what Jesus has done for us, will not be put to shame. But you know what? When we take it and we focus the attention back on us and we, we try to manage it by good works and, 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 and by being this perfect individual. I'll tell you, there are so many people, so many Christians that are so frustrated and so defeated because they put all the emphasis on them and they're trying, they're trying so hard to be perfect rather than being the person that God has created them to be. And if we'll but do that, we'll begin to experience, maybe not perfection, but we'll begin to experience maturity in our life. And with the maturity comes the change that we so desire to see. You know, let's face it. If, if we could perfect ourselves, we would have already done it. We've already proven that we can't do it. And so we put our trust, and we need to put our confidence in Him. Our debts of guilt and shame have been fully paid. There isn't any debt. There isn't anything that we can do because Jesus has already done it. And it's like anything else that we receive from Him is we, we need to put ourselves in a position of receiving what he's accomplished for us. And once we've done that, then we can begin to walk in it. Will we be perfect? Well, no, because we're still living in these imperfect bodies. But you know what? We'll be walking in the direction that we need to go. We'll no longer be carrying the burden of guilt and shame that holds us down, that holds us back, that keeps us from accomplishing what God's called us to accomplish. There's so many people that have talked themselves out of doing what God's called them to do because they've convinced themselves that they're not worthy. Well, let me settle that question right now. You're not. You never have been. You never will be. But it isn't about you. It's about what Jesus has done for you. And because of what Jesus has done for you, it's not about your worthiness. It's about His and what He's done in your life and how He's forgiven you of that guilt and shame. And as a result of that, we're able to move forward. God says 
to comfort his people. God says that we're to share that their sins have been, their sins have been pardoned. And they've received a double from him. I like to have things that are good doubled in my life. Let's turn to, back to Isaiah once again. Isaiah, the 40th chapter. In the first and the second verse. It says, comfort, yes, comfort my people. You know, when we leave one another's presence, we ought to feel comforted. We ought not to feel condemned. We ought not to feel put down. We ought not to feel like a lesser person. He says, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says the Lord. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended. I believe that we can bring this into our time period and we can declare our warfare is end, end, has ended. Sometimes we feel like we're in the midst of a war all the time. It's because we're trying to battle it ourselves rather than recognize what Jesus has done for us. For her warfare is ended and her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, I don't know about you, you read that and some of that does, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Until we look at it historically. Historically, what would happen in, in this time period if a, if a poor person owned a, had a lot of debt and they weren't able to pay their debt, they didn't know how they were going to pay their debt, there was no way they were going to pay their debt, they'd take a piece of parchment and they would write on it their debt, everything that they would owe. And then, then they would take that debt or that parchment and they would nail it to their doorpost. And they would do that in the hopes that some rich person would come along and they'd pay off their debt. Now you hear that and it sounds a lot like the early charismatic move when we were believing for our debts to be paid and every day you'd go out to the mailbox believing there was going to be a big check in it. <clears throat> Well, it didn't work, basically, because you don't find it in the Scripture working that way. But here, what they'd do is they'd, they'd, they'd take their debt, they'd write it in the parchment, and they'd put it on their doorpost. And if a rich man would come along and choose to pay off their debt, he would take it and he'd pay the debt, and then he would fold that parchment in half, and he'd pin it back up on the doorpost, and what that would mean was, that what that signified was because that parchment was doubled over, they were debt free. The Bible says that he doubled our sin. It was put on the parchment, it was folded over, and it was pinned up on the cross. 
and it declares that you're debt-free. Each and every one of us in this room that have received Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we are debt-free where sin is concerned. It was forgiven, but it was paid in full. That individual had no longer that shame of being a debtor. That person no longer had the shame of owing somebody something that they weren't able to pay because, in their case, because of a rich man that came along and paid it off. In our case, because of Jesus, who is willing to pay the price so that our sins might be completely forgiven. Completely forgiven. That means the debt, that means the shame, that means the guilt, that means everything that goes along with it. Colossians, the second chapter. Verse 14. Having wiped out, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now the only difference is, he didn't just simply fold over the writing and nailed it to the cross, he wiped it out. It's no longer there. We're, we're totally free from what debt we owed. Well, what was the debt? Well, the debt of sin was death. And Jesus paid the price. He was our substitute. And everything that we've read up to this point is talking about the debt that was paid, that Jesus took care of for each and every one of us. In Isaiah 61, verse 7, it says, Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. You shall have double honor. Not just honor. You shall have double honor instead of shame. Think about that. No more shame. Double honor. Because of what Jesus has done for you. Instead of shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, they re shall rejoice in their portion. Rejoice in your portion. What's your portion? What do you need? What's Jesus supplied for you? Rejoice in it. Stop with the mammy-pammy being sorry for yourself, start rejoicing in what Jesus has done for us. You know, if there's anybody that ought to be walking around with their heads held high, ought to be us. Well, I've, I've heard so much complaining this week over this, this whole political 
junk and you don't want to hear what I have to say about it because it doesn't matter anyway. That's not what our life is dependent upon. Instead of, instead of whining and bawling and squalling, why don't you start looking at what Jesus has done for you? Start rejoicing in what Jesus has done for you. Because, you know, whoever is in the White House, this boy is still going to have a double portion. And it's not going to be shame. It's not going to be guilt. It's going to be victory because of what Jesus has done for me. Don't, don't put your confidence in man. Some trust in chariots. We used to sing this all the, time, all the time. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but I will remember the name of the Lord, something or other. Listen to me. I ain't going to trust in no chariot. I ain't going to trust in no horse. I'm going to put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because he will never let me down. And guess what? He'll never let you down either. Anything that you're going through, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to put your trust and your confidence in Jesus. It's an opportunity for you to say, thank you, Lord, that I can trust you in every situation. Many are the afflictions, and this affliction is coming to me right now, but you deliver us from them all. That's where our confidence can be in the Lord Jesus. And so, I forgot where I'm at, so I'm going to start at the beginning. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That isn't even where I... Seven. Oh, boy, we would have taken a while to get there. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, we don't have to be confused. This world is confusing. We don't have to be confused. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Everlasting joy shall be ours. Why? Our debt is paid in full. So everlasting joy shall be ours. You know, there's a difference between guilt and shame. You know, if we've done something wrong, there is that element of guilt, and what is it therefore is to lead us to repentance, to turn around and say, I'm not going to go there no more. But there's a difference between, you know, guilt coming against us and a person living in shame. I've got four things down here that contrast the two. Guilt is seeing what you've done. You know, until you see it, you can't change it. Amen? Guilt is seeing what you've done. Shame is seeing ourselves as failures because of what we've done. That's where a lot of people are. They, they see what they've done and then they, they, they live there and so then they see themselves as a failure. You're not a failure. You're just a project. <laughs> Amen. We're all just a project. I, I don't remember who, who said it now. But he says, you know, God doesn't expect perfection. He just expects progress. And so we're all a project. 
We're, there, there's progress in our lives. We haven't reached perfection. But we can be moving in that direction. The second one is guilt is feeling bad about what you do. And if we did something, it, we should feel bad about it. But shame is feeling bad about who we are. See, if you allow guilt to go to the next level, you begin to identify with it. And it becomes who you are. That's not who you are. You're a redeemed child of God who've been set free from the power of sin, who can live the life of victory. But you know what? It's not going to happen when we settle for identifying with that issue, with that problem, with that sin. Guilt is an awareness of failure. Shame is a sense of failure in someone else's eyes. In other words, we see ourselves as a failure and we, we, we become paranoid. You know, that, that's one of the consequences, attributes of shame. We become paranoid. We, we, we think everybody's looking at us. We had a guy who lived with us for a while and every time we'd go someplace, we'd come back and he'd, he'd want to know what we were talking about because he was convinced we, we talked about him the, the, the entire evening. You know, and, and so one night I finally told him, I says, listen, you're not that important. We have other things to talk about than you. I'll tell you what shame does. It, it, it gets you focusing inward and you think everybody else is looking at you. Let me tell you something. You're not that important because everybody else that you think is looking at you think you're looking at them because they're still dealing with the same issues you're dealing with. So what's the answer? Recognize what Christ Jesus has done for you. And what can happen is you can begin to be a blessing to others because if you're no longer walking in shame and, and dealing with shame, you're able to reach out and touch somebody that's dealing with that issue and show them that you're not judging them, that you're not condemning them, that you can identify with where they are because you were there, but you're not there no more and you're not going to go back there anymore because you recognize what Jesus has done for you. Guilt is about disobedience to the word. Shame is how others perceive us and how we see ourselves. How do you see yourself? If shame is painting your picture, What's going to happen is it's going to sabotage your future. You know, I, I, I've run into so many people, it's just like they, they, they can't handle success. Because the moment something begins to go well for them, because of the shame, because of the guilt, because of their past, they expect. They'd say faith doesn't work. Faith works to perfection in their life. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. They're believing that everything is going to fall apart for them because of their past, and it happens. Why? Because they have more confidence in their failures than they have in what Jesus can do in their life. We're going to put our trust, we're going to put our confidence in Jesus. We're not going to allow shame or guilt or any of that stuff ex to, to extinguish the hope that we have for our future. Now, I may be 67 years old, but I still have a hope for my future. Somebody agree with me. I'm not ready to lay down and push up daisies. I have a future. It may not be as long as some of you, but if you don't start amen me once in a while, it may be. I want a hope, I want a future. I don't want to settle. Don't settle. Stop settling. Because God has something for you. Put away those lies. You know, after Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? They hid. It's in Genesis 3.10. They hid from God. Why? Because they were ashamed. Ashamed of what they had done. Many of us are walking in what I call the Adam syndrome. We screw up, and rather than run to God, we run from God. Guess what? We're going to mess up. That's not a statement of faith, it's just truth. We're going to mess up. And when you mess up, you don't run from God, you run to Him. I'll tell you what will keep you from God, it's shame. When you have shame in your life and you mess up, what happens? Everything that you've done in the past comes rolling forward once again. And so you're not just dealing with that one little issue. You're dealing with all of the issues that you've dealt with over the last 10, 15 years. But when you deal with it and you recognize what Jesus has done for you, and you're no longer dominated and controlled by shame and by guilt, what happens is when you mess up, you don't turn from God, you turn to God. And you say, God, I'm, I'm messed up. Help me, Holy Ghost. And you know what? He will. He will. How do you know, Pastor Dave? Experience. He'll help you. But you got to turn to him. Don't turn from him. And so why is it so important? First, to be free of guilt and shame and all those other attributes that try to keep us from feeling good about ourselves. They'll keep you from walking in the fullness what he has for you. It'll cause you to settle rather than be, term be determined to move on and reach your full potential.
every single one of us in this room. We were created for a purpose. None of us were a mistake. Every one of us has a purpose. And that purpose is fulfilled when we fulfill God's plan in our life. And so when we set aside all of the junk of the past, and we look ahead and we recognize what Jesus accomplished for us in his fullness, we'll begin to walk in it. You want to see our community change? It'll change as believers recognize who they are in Christ Jesus. And they begin to recognize their full potential. And they're no longer ashamed of who they are because what that shame will do, it'll carry over into our relationship with Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, unto sozo, to every single individual that'll believe. I believe we have this morning a room full of believers, and as a room full of believers, we have untapped potential that as we know who we are in Christ Jesus, that potential is going to be released and we're going to have an impact in the lives of those around us. And everybody that agrees with that says, Amen, in Jesus' name. We're going to seal this message. We're going to seal it with Holy Communion. Because communion is a reminder to us of the completed works of Jesus in each of our lives. And so as we receive the elements today, I want you to, I want you to do it in faith. I don't, wanna, I don't want us to just simply go through the motions. I want it to be an act of faith today that as you receive those elements, you receive and you acknowledge what Jesus has done for you. So if I can have the elders and the ushers and those that are assisting with communion, if you come forward at this point, if you're visiting with us this morning, and if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, then you're born again. And so you're part of our family. And so we extend an invitation to you uh, to receive communion with us as we receive as a family today. As we've already shared, the Bible talks about how Jesus took upon himself stripes, that his, his body was beaten, his body was broken. And he was our substitute. It was done for you and I that, that we might be whole, that we no longer have a need to be broken, but we could be whole because of the completed works of Jesus. In each, of our, in each of our lives. 
just take a moment and within yourself just acknowledge the completed works of Jesus, what he's completed in you. How because of Jesus, you're healthy, you're whole. Because of Jesus, no attack of the enemy upon your physical body shall prosper. For by the stripes of Jesus, you have been made whole. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. For the greater one lives within you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you took stripes upon your back. That upon the cross you suffered so that we wouldn't have to, so that we might be free. And so we recognize today your completed works for each and every one of us. Father, we receive this bread that represents your body. We receive it this morning in remembrance of the completed works of Jesus. The body of Christ, which was broken for you, receive it in remembrance of him. Then we receive the, the juice that represents the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus. The Bible declares that where there is no shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so through the blood of Jesus, our sins, they were not just simply covered over or they weren't just simply written on a parchment and doubled over. Through the blood of Jesus, our sins were completely washed away. Never again on the part of God to be brought up again. And not only was our sin forgiven, Jesus paid the price to wipe away, to wash away all the defilement, shame, guilt, fear, rejection, feelings of inferiority and insecurity. They all have to go in the name of Jesus because Jesus paid the price. It was his blood that was shed so that you and I so that we might be whole. This juice that we receive today, it represents the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus that was shed for the remission of our sins. He says, receive it in remembrance of me. Be reminded that it was through the shedding of Christ's blood 
that our sins are obliterated, completely washed away. The blood of Christ, which was shed for you, receive it in remembrance of him. Now, Father, we thank you today for forgiveness. We thank you for life and life abundant. We thank you, Father, that even though there's an accuser, we don't have to listen to him any longer because Jesus has come to set us free. Jesus not only freed us from sin, but he freed us from the defilement of sin so that we might live the victorious, abundant life. So, Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you honor and glory today simply because you are worthy of it. Not because we're worthy to come into your presence other than based on the works of Christ, but because of who you are. And so we bless you and we thank you. Father, have your way in each of our lives that everything that we say and everything that we do, that it might bring you glory and honor. May we be recognized as your servants, as your sons, as Christians. May our lives represent you rightly. And so, Father, as we go this morning, we leave this place in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And we ask you by the leading of that Holy Spirit that you would direct our paths and that in everything that we do, the glorious name of Jesus might be uplifted. And so we thank you. We give you praise. In his wonderful name, amen. God bless you. Y'all have a great week and give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them. <laughs>